My baby won't give me no back pocket money. She's afraid I'll spend Hang on, don't touch that dial. I know you thought you were about to turn off the music, but uh, you're listening to Money Talks. That's yeah. right. That was that was Jerry. Get away from the yeah. music. Uh, <laughs> Troy turned his head for a minute. And I snuck one in. Oh there. yeah, no doubt. Uh, I actually like it. Uh, All twelve okay. listeners just went, "What the heck is going on?" Here? <laughs> I thought I didn't touch that dial. There we go. Well, I would hope they didn't. Uh, <clears throat> all right, Jared. So uh, we've got a case study we wanted to set up here. Um, That's got right. a few circumstances and whatnot you want to flesh that yeah, out. Yeah, absolutely, and and some pretty common ones too, because you know the, the case study this week really revolves around a couple that. Uh, are looking at hiring or engaging an investment advisor. And, of course, uh, the, the industry is inundated with a number of different types of advisors. And, you know, this, this study will focus really on the two main types, which we consider to be an RIA, which is a registered investment advisor like uh, Hensler Financial is, and then uh, also a broker-dealer, which would be some of your, your bigger shops like Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan, so on and so forth. Uh, and, and there really are some distinct differences between, uh, you know, not only their business models, but also uh, the advisors that work with them. And also probably the most important aspect of it is how they're paid, uh, because that is something I think every client should be asking uh, any any advisor that they interview uh, and, and, and primarily to make sure that they know that their interests are aligned with that advisor. So. Uh, the services are pretty significantly different too, right? Well, that is, yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, it, you know, with regard to our service, you know, it, it revolves much around financial planning and taking that approach with regard to investments because we would we would rather run a financial plan first and see, you know, ha- have that help us determine the amount of risk a client should be taking and therefore how their assets should be allocated, so on and so forth, where, you know, a lot of people might think back to the, the, the model that was much more prevalent during the, the 80s and 90s, which was the broker-dealer model, where you, know, you call up your broker, you get a hot stock or, or something that's moving quickly in the market and try to make a quick buck off of it. Probably and, more often than not, though, the brokers are going to be calling you. That's right. right. <laughs> if you hadn't talked to him in a while, he wants to talk to you. And exactly. There's a reason. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, a th- well, the compensation piece, right? And I know right. I'll let Casey come in here, but this is a, a very distinct difference that uh, we try and always use to differentiate how we're set up so that a client can see that our interests are, in fact, aligned with theirs. Yeah. And so let's talk about just the, the difference in a fiduciary standard versus a suitability standard real quick. Yeah, that's that's a, a big word. It's a big word. And uh, it's it's in the news a lot lately with the Department of Labor, whether right. or not there's going to be any kind of uh, repeal of the Department of Labor fiduciary rule. law yeah. that, um, you know, even broker-dealers are going to have to adhere to a fiduciary standard when it comes to retirement plan assets. Um, as registered investment advisors, we adhere to a fiduciary standard all the time. Uh, which is a difference between a, a broker-dealer and, and what we are as a registered investment advisor. Um, yeah, and simply put, that's just a requirement of, of us to put the client's interests ahead of our own. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. So, for example, you know, if we are each offering a, a mutual fund, we meaning, uh, you know, if, if I'm a broker-dealer and Jared's an RIA, um, you know, it, our, the broker-dealer might be getting compensated to sell you that mutual fund or that particular share class of fund, for instance, where there might be an identical fund or very similar fund for a much lower 
uh, cost to you, but he, maybe he's not compensated on. Right. Or, or I'm not compensated on. I can't remember who's the broker dealer. Yeah, I think that was you, Casey. <laughs> you wore that. Sure. I didn't mean to paint myself into that corner, but yeah. um, no. But uh, you know, so it's important to to realize that as a fiduciary, you know, you would have to pick the the investment that makes the most sense for the client, keeping their interest ahead of your own. Whereas as a suitability standard, as long as the investment is suitable then you're not going to get in trouble for recommending that to a client. Right, and that's been a big problem in the industry and one that sort of was the catalyst for this fiduciary rule that Casey's talking about because, believe it or not, it's never really been a requirement or a law to put the client's interests ahead of your own. As long as there was a suitable product or a suitable recommendation for them, that was okay. It did not necessarily have to be uh, that that the client's interest was placed first. But because most RIA firms, and particularly our firm, does adhere to a fiduciary standard, uh, that is and has always been a requirement of, of us. And so uh, that, again, is not necessarily the case with all advisors out there. So something to certainly focus on. Jared, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, that standard of a fiduciary is only going to apply under those new Labor Department laws to right. retirement money, right? It's not yeah. going to still be, if you had a brokerage account with a, uh, a broker-dealer, it's still going to be... Great point. Yes, the, the, uh, you know, the fiduciary rule is, is a pretty long, uh, you know, a, a long rule that was issued, but uh, it, it does only apply to retirement assets. You're right, Troy. And, and so it's something, again, to keep in mind as you do an interview and engage with an advisor and knowing not only do you adhere to a fiduciary standard, but also not asking how much they get paid, but how do you get paid? Because if you get paid, like most broker-dealers do, through commissions and trails on products that you know they sell to their clients, among other ways, uh, that would be in addition to just a flat management fee like what we charge as an RIA, then that can sometimes misalign the interests between the client and the advisor because if I will make more money, which will further enable me to put food on the table for my kids – by selling you a particular product or more of that product or fund. More frequently. Even. Exactly. Or trading more often in the account. Even right. if you can justify it, then, yeah, that's sometimes, believe it or not, that that is how these comp compensation models are structured at some of these broker dealers. And so that's why, you know, it's it's not always an apples to apples comparison when you when you interview an RIA and you interview interview a broker dealer. Comparing the fees, it very rarely lines up exactly and just, you know, what comes out. And even among RIAs, if you look at the different methods that people get compensated, I mean, uh, you know, even and broker-dealers, you know, we, we do a lot of uh, broker-dealer sort of negative speak on the show, <laughs> but that, we definitely have a bias there because we are a registered investment advisor. Sure. Not to say that all broker-dealers are, are right. bad. There's a, definitely a place for them. Um, that being said, even even within the RIA, RIA business, you know, there, there's different ways that you can get compensated. How, Jarrett, you want to elaborate on that at all? Yeah, absolutely. And just to your point really quickly, I mean, uh, that's absolutely right. There are some great broker-dealers out there. I have friends that work for broker-dealers, and I think it's more of a, a, a model uh, not a problem with the model, but really more of an issue with the model itself in, in terms of how their compensation is structured. If if you put any individual in a position to where they're going to make more by selling you a product more frequently, as you said, Troy. Right? Exactly. It's, it's all where the incentive lies. And so to Casey's question, you know, the 
all of our associates here, in adhering to that fiduciary standard, the way Dr. Gene has set it up, are salaried employees. So, you know, there is also a component of our salary or our compensation that is strictly retention-based. So that sort of feeds into keeping our clients happy, right? You do well, you you keep people from leaving, hopefully, and you're rewarded for that. But also, our paychecks are not affected by whether or not someone becomes a client or does not at that table when we first meet. Right. And so that, that in addition to the investments that we place them in upon becoming a client, uh, really allows us to make sure we keep that fiduciary standard front and center so that we don't uh, lose sight of keeping the client's best interest in mind. So in the business, we would say that we sit on the same side of the table, and that's in the absolutely in the sense that most of our clients pay a, a, an assets under management fee. So yeah, so a percentage on, of the assets that we maintain and, and uh, monitor for them. Exactly. Right. So there's a there's a percentage based on the number of assets that you have, and it's usually on a sliding scale. So. You know, the more assets you have, sort of the lower the fee goes sure. as, a, as a, you know, a tiered rate. Right. Um, you know, some but some in, advisors charge an hourly fee. You know, some charge a flat fee. We do that to some extent, not as much as we used to. Um, but in, in kind of fleshing out your point about sitting on the same side, so how that works, you think about it, the more assets your your client has, the yep. more, the more the, you know, the better their performance of their portfolio Right. Uh, the more they make, obviously, and, and the also more we the make. more yeah. we, yeah. we make. And it, it works that way in reverse, too. If, if the portfolio is losing money and their performance is suffering, we're making less money. So we have an, an incentive to keep the performance go, go moving in the right direction. Right. And, and we don't get incentivized to call them and tell them, hey, we got this hot new stock tip. It's right. just not the way we're ever well, going to work. And particularly in that regard, as far as trading is concerned, you know, our clients, because RIAs have to uh, hold their clients' uh, money under custody with uh, a custodian like you know Fidelity, Charles Schwab, any of these. They have to pay a trading cost each time the account's traded. So the more we trade, it, the more it works against us sure. because they're paying a cost and theoretically is driving their account down by trading more. So we do try to right. minimize that and buy and hold as much as we can. Even though commissions are falling like a rock. Schwab is lower theirs. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. What are we, 695 now at Schwab? Yeah. That's right. All right, guys. Let's uh, break here and uh, we'll come back and take in more client questions or listener questions. How about that? That's right. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with Money Talks. I'm gonna pop some tags. Only got $20 in my pocket. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. 
This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.